welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, joined today by Pastor Brady Boyd, Daniel Grothy, and Glenn Packiam. Uh, guys, depending on who you talk to, uh, pastors are either leaving the ministry each year at an alarmingly high rate, some stats say that, or on the other side, they're tending to stay put despite adversity and a lot of discouragement. Those would be stats on the other side. Either way, uh, it's not a good thing when people uh, who feel a genuine call to ministry and have, have had that call affirmed in some way step away from the assignment that God has given them. I think the assumption should be that you stay in the call, that you see it through to completion. So I want to talk about that, some of the things that make pastors want to quit the ministry. So Brady, I'm going to kick it to you first as we talk about some of these things. Uh, what's one of the most common reasons that you have seen for pastors feeling like they need to exit the ministry? Well, one of the things I see is that pastors are discouraged and mm. and the social media today gives every congregation uh, every member of the congregation the immediate ability to give feedback right and hardly ever is it positive i mean sometimes it's positive but oftentimes pastors feel discouraged mm-hmm. and they get uh, you know think about every member of our society right. has a live broadcast platform That's yeah, right. with Insta stories, with Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so so pastors are just discouraged. They get they get picked on a bit. Uh, we're I, I, Every Sunday, I feel very vulnerable. I'm yeah. standing oh. in front of a oh, sea of people yeah. Yeah. giving my commentary on the scripture, knowing that yeah. I'm going to get commentary back. Right. <laughs> yes. and, uh, and so you, you have to have thick skin along the way and learn to, I always think that there's an ounce of, uh, an ounce of truth in every pound of criticism. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but being able to discern what's healthy criticism and what's not is very, very difficult for yeah. most pastors. Well, yes. the, the immediacy of it with social media, you get it instantly and people feel like they know you. And so it's right there. And they're being shaped by agendas or a lens from whatever else they've been reading mm-hmm. through the week. So that's that acts as a filter when they're listening to our sermons or anything else that we're doing or not doing. And so we might be saying, you know, this thing, we might be talking about X, but because right. we didn't talk about Y, yeah, exactly. they, they complain. Right. Say, Wait a minute. It's know? the expectation that the pastor can say everything all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and adequately and, footnote every comment. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I want to say to people, I can't care about everything that you care about right. the way you care about it. Right. right. And so there's just got to be enough space for the pastor to, to give the examples, yeah. to pick and choose, to, to not be able to have to say everything every single time. Yeah. And so it's like, well, why didn't you say this, Pastor? Well, because I had 30 minutes. And also, were you here last week? Because I said it last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because I think First Samuel is much more interesting than anything you right. just said to me. Yeah, right. right. Which is where we're preaching right now. I think another thing, another reason that I hear more and more as I coach pastors is a lot of pastors are under financial pressure. Right. The, the, it, it's amazing to me how many pastors are asked to do this almost impossible, enormous task, yeah. but they're, they're so underpaid. Yeah. Uh, the, the, and I think a lot of local churches should do the due diligence yeah. of, of doing the research to make sure that their pastoral team, mm. not just a senior pastor, but everyone on their team is paid reasonably well because uh, a lot of pastors are feeling a great amount of financial pressure. Uh, they're doing a 60, 70 hour a week job, but mm-hmm. they're getting paid at, at a level yeah. that they just can't, they, and they're living in communities oftentimes that they can't even afford right. to live in mm-hmm. uh, while pa- 
pastoring there. So I think the financial pressure is a reason pastors want to quit. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes for families, there are churches that have the expectation that you hire one to get two. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And okay, we're going to hire her, but her husband's going to be at every other service and he's going to help lead our altar ministry. And he's, well, he's working yep. 50 hours a week doing another job, flying yeah. around on planes during the week. And you come, he comes home and he has this sort of tacit expectation, if not mm-hmm. a spoken expectation, mm-hmm. that it's this, a family yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And so there, sometimes families just go, I can't do that. Right. You're asking too well, much. If, right. if you're an elder or a board member listening to this, just know that it's very awkward for a pastor to bring up the conversation of his salary with you. So yeah. I would say the onus is on the board or the eldership. Do some research. There's yeah. some great resources available where you can find out what is fair compensation for your area, for your size of church, all that stuff. Good. Take care of them. Be generous because you want to keep them around. Well, and that plays into discouragement too. You know, if you're being if you're being criticized by people and you're drastically <laughs> underpaid, we've got a bad thing happening. Yeah, there's yeah. a median. There's a median way. This is real practical. Okay, mm-hmm. find out what the principals at your high schools in your community make. It's good. That, that's a good rule of thumb for what your mm. pastors should be making because <laughs> that's the, uh, the same kind of educational District, experience. Yeah. They're leading students. They're they're Staff, they're, they're yeah. communicating. That's uh, pastors have asked me. What if I don't have access to all that? Well, just find out what your principals are making. That's great. That's a good mm. way to start. It's a good analog. Yeah, that's wonderful. Totally. I love that. Mm. Okay, so we've got discouragement. We're not being paid well. What are some other reasons that pastors are stepping out of the ministry. Well, I'll go back to social media because there are there's a great amount of comparison that oh happens. Every famous pastor right. in America right. is on uh you can find yeah, them anytime. Instagram yep. clips. They're on yep. YouTube, yeah. they're on Instagram, they're on all the internet channels, they're on television. Right. Uh is uh, and they're they're and they're preaching their best sermons mm-hmm. that have been edited. Right. They have a makeup artist. <laughs> they have state of the art lighting. Right. right. They're a wardrobe a, budget. They're, they're, they're they have a wardrobe budget. They have a world class uh stage sound, everything. Right. And then they come to our church right. and hear our sermon that is not as polished. And there's a great amount of comparison that happens yeah. with pastors. Why yeah. don't you preach like him? Yeah. Why don't you preach like her? Yeah. And I think pastors who are faithful to the text and faithful to their congregations feel this added pressure of living up to uh, the famous pastor on. And then people tell you that they're going to their church online, right. that other yeah. person's church online. Right. And you're like, no, that is not how this works. The no. church has never worked like that. Yeah. And now you, we live in a society that tells them that right. it's now the new norm, the right. online right. Thing. Go to online and, church. And Christians are feeding that. I mean, there was an op-ed recently on one of the major yep. news outworks, outlets saying church is changing and right. churches, you know, it is over and, you know. And get the, with the program. And get with the program. People are going to, you know, cut and paste and mix and match with whatever they want. And I just think that is an abomination. Yeah. Like we ought to stand, uh, what we're trying to introduce people to is a different way of understanding community mm-hmm. and life and pastoral ministry. Right. But if we are believing the same lie that they are, then we, we don't have any medicine well, for them. Well, that's it. I want to ask you guys on this point. I mean, how much does the U.S. culture of success in the church play into pastoral right. discouragement? That it's not just that it's taking people away from us, but it also is creating an unhealthy kind of comparison in our own yes. souls to yes. these pastors who have thousands of people coming to their churches and they opened three new campuses last week and they have a book coming out next week. You know, how much does that play into this? That we have an unrealistic expectation of- But enough Nord- about Glenn Pack. <laughs> 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 but we don't know what normal pastoral ministry looks like. 
But the competitive spirit is ruining a lot of pastors' yeah. soul. And I, as as someone who grew up playing sports and wanting mm-hmm. to win, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if you're not careful to manage that in your yeah. heart, if it yeah. becomes the dominant voice that you hear in the morning, yeah. you will drive yourself right over the ditch and yep. people will cheer as you drive over the over the cliff. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you that we have to manage that. Yeah. Well, we go back to Eugene Peterson again. He, he, in one of his books, said that he began running marathons yep. mm-hmm. and competing because he realized if he didn't get that competitive edge out of his life oh, in good. other ways, yep. that it would bleed over into that's his right. pastoral Ooh. ministry. Yep. So he started running yep. and competing. He had to get that competitive get thing out, out of him. But you're yeah. competing within yourself yeah. right. and you're competing in a way that draws the very best out of yourself. Right, right. And so I know a lot of pastors who turn to writing. Yeah, like you know what? Yeah. I I I'm not competing against them out right. there, yeah. but I want to make sure that the demand is placed on my life and on my gifting that I can lay my head on the pillow at night and know that I have given it my very best. Yeah, yeah. that I'm I'm going for it and I'm not mailing it in. And yeah. so I think pastors who can learn to to let that competitive thing work for them in the yeah. right way in a holy way, it can be redemptive. Because I'm not going to run. I, <laughs> I, I, I've never seen anybody smile when they run. <laughs> Look at look find the next jogger on the street. Nobody's smiling. <laughs> Follow me around long enough. Guys. Uh, I smiling. Another I, thing, I, Andrew, yeah. that I find more and more with pastors is the amount of uh, internal family pressures yep. that they're feeling. And this is what I mean by that. What happens when your marriage is not great? Right. Who do you go tell? Yeah. Mm. So oftentimes the church had, has does not allow the pastor to have any places mm. of brokenness yeah. or places of discipleship that he can openly confess. Mm. So what happens if your teenager suddenly is strung out on alcohol or right. drugs? Mm. What happens if you're if you're if you're wrestling with depression mm. right. or mental health issues and you have to confess that to somebody? Yeah. Mm. Oftentimes in a lot of local church settings, to confess any of those things would mean the end of your career. Right. Yeah. And so pastors begin to go underground with it and they mm-hmm. don't know how to get help. Mm-hmm. And so they turn to alcohol or drugs or whatever to medicate, medicate. the pain that they're yeah. feeling at yeah. home. And so I think one of the things elder elder boards uh, can do for their pastors, uh, I actually asked my elders recently, I said, they asked, Brady, how can we serve you better? I said, I, I, very easily. You don't ask me enough how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You're assuming right. that I'm mm-hmm. doing great, right. mm-hmm. but you need to ask me mm-hmm. more yeah. regularly how yeah. I'm really doing yeah. mm-hmm. and give me permission yeah. to tell tell you honestly about yeah. my marriage and about yeah. my home yeah. and about my personal health. And and yeah. it was very helpful to our elders and they are asking me more regularly how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Another thing, one more thing, and I wanted to hear you guys talk <laughs> about this because you model this really well. Another reason pastors are leaving or wanting to quit is they just don't have friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would like mm-hmm. to hear all of you speak to this. How, as because all of you are younger than I am, how have you uh, managed friendships? Mm. Really close brothers mm-hmm. uh, and friends mm-hmm. in the midst of pastoral ministry. I'd love to hear that. My parents are in their early 60s and I watched their generation. I'm a pastor's kid, so I've grown up in church and I, I watched, it's probably just the culture I grew up in, but there were so many people who were so focused on the work of the ministry yeah, yeah. and we got to win the world by the weekend and just go hard and go, you know, go get on a plane and go to the nations and, and there were no deep rooted relationships. Yep, they were yeah. just, 
they were uh, shallow or shells of of a human being because all they had was the ministry gear. Mm -hmm. And I'm just determined uh, that, Brady, you said it uh, probably 10 years ago. You said the goal is to get to the end of your life and to be a wholesome human, yeah. Yeah. To, to be able to smile and to be in love with your family and to be in, in decent health and to just do things well, to be wholesome. Like, uh, so I, I'm just determined not to do this in yeah. a way that, that um, just sort of impersonally races forward to do the work of God without living a life that's convincing. And so yeah. Yeah. gathering together with friends, Mm-hmm. on a regular basis, quarterly, going yeah. away for a day. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? How's yeah. your family? Yeah. Tell me about your soul. Where yeah. are you struggling? Where are you thrilled? Mm-hmm. And to have that, knowing that every quarter that's gonna happen in my life, I am, I'm looking forward to that every time. Yep. That's good, that's good. Yeah, there was, a, there was a study, I think, that the University of Kansas did about friendships, and they said it takes something like 200 leisure hours to Mm. form a close friendship. Now that's leisure hours. Many times as pastors, what we have are ministry friends. Right. Ministry friends where we're back slapping and bro hugging and oh, that was a great sermon. And and that's good. How many people did you baptize? I mean, but that's better than not having people that you like doing ministry. That's great. But what we need is friends that, that a friendship exists beyond the church, outside yeah. the church. Yep. There's some leisure hours together. Yeah. And I realized, honestly, you guys, a few years ago, I was at a, a conference at Pete Scazzaro's church on emotionally healthy, uh, it was marriages actually, or emotionally healthy leader. And uh, Holly and I, my wife and I were there at it together. And they had us kind of break down your life in four boxes, like your prayer rhythms and practices for your prayer life, for rest, for work. And the fourth box was relationships. Mm -hmm. And I realized as I was doing it, like, yeah, I got practices for my prayer life. I got practices for my Sabbath. I got practices for my work, you know, rhythms and intentionality. But I realized I kind of was stumped with relationships. I didn't have any intentional practices related to friendship, like actual relationships. So there and then I started texting Mm -hmm. people like, hey, what if we did a once a month this? What if we, you know? Like, why is Glenn texting me all these beautiful texts? I love you and you're the best. (laughs) Oh, he's at a conference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're touching on both of you guys is that oftentimes our relationships are talking about ministry, Mm -hmm. the church, Mm -hmm. stuff in the Bible. When you really don't, I mean, we need to have robust interest in other things. Yes, right. yeah, we do. That's right. If we're going to be good Hobbies. human beings, yeah. we need to talk about other things. Hobbies. And I have a group of friends that I've been going away with. We do. We have a week. We have a standing week during the summer where we, we all get together, and we've done it now for 12 summers in a row. Mm. And we do talk about church, and we talk about sure. some spiritual things, but it's a lot of just playing golf, going out to eat, mm-hmm. uh, sitting mm-hmm. around, catching up with one another, yeah. mm-hmm. telling jokes, uh, mm-hmm. just being present and being human and talking about things that that detox all of our souls. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just been so healthy to have conversations mm-hmm. where I don't feel like I'm having to preach. I'm right. not having to right. disciple. Right. I'm not it's having good. to do the heavy lifting. Yes. And actually that relates to kind of all of these reasons for discouragement. Right. One of the things that we can do as pastors, so we, you, we can't control how much people criticize. We can't control what other pastors post right. on social media. But you know what we can do? We cannot over-invest meaning into this calling that we have as right. pastors. Right. And I think that's what happens. I mean, Augustine sort of said this, when you overly grieve the loss of something maybe yeah. you've you've attached too much meaning to that yeah. you, you've your desire for it is out of order yeah. you know so if if something overly encourages or overly right. discourages right. us about the church it's an indication yeah. we're getting too much of our identity from this we're too enmeshed yeah. with the church yeah i agree with that i agree with that i want to ask with the couple minutes that we have left here um 
what are some things that you think need to shift in the church or in how we think about pastoral ministry? And in some ways, our whole podcast is almost about this, all the episodes that we do. But what are the big shifts that you all want to see in the church that will make departures from the pulpit less likely and pastoral longevity more likely? Well, first of all, take a deep breath and think of this as a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and and make sure that you have the end in mind. How do you want to end? Yeah. And this is at 52 years old. I'm thinking more about the, the finish end. line than the starting line right yeah. now. Yeah. And I know I have a clear path in front of me. In fact, I just had this conversation with my elders. How do I want this to look at the end? <laughs> and if you don't know how you want it to look at the end, then it'll just sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. But I think even for pastors who are in their 30s and 40s, how do you want this decade? Yeah. Maybe it's too far yeah. ahead of you to think about ending your career, but how do you want the decade that you're in? How do you want? What do you want to look like? Yeah. And you need to state it. You need to talk about it. You need to put it out there in front of your friends, someone who will hold you accountable mm-hmm. to get to that finish line mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And my friend Aaron Keyes says, you know, think about your life. Not, yeah, your part of the race is a marathon, but the race as a whole is actually a relay right, race. Right, you right. know. And I think there's something beautiful about knowing someone handed us the baton yeah. and we're going to hand it to someone else. Yeah. And actually, this goes all the way back through church history, all the way back to Peter and Paul and those followers of Jesus. Mm. And that in some ways takes the pressure off to say, it's Jesus who's always been the head of his church. It's Jesus who's building his church. We've got a moment that we want to steward faithfully, but this was was here before we got here and this will be here at long after we're gone. And I'm trying to constantly think about what would hearing well done look like? Yeah. Mm. What what is God going to say good job about? Is he going to say good job about how... Uh, crafty my sermons were? Is he going to say good job about how many followers followers I had or did not have on social media? Mm-hmm. What's he going to care about? He, he, do the people that are closest to me know me and love me? Do I love them? Have I poured out my life for them? Mm-hmm. Have I lived in a healthy rhythm? I, do, do I get to the end and look like a human made in the image of God? Yes. Or have I allowed ministry to be something that depersonalizes and breaks me down as a human being? Yeah. So I think learning how to, to identify with what the well done's would look like yeah. and then chase those things. Yeah. I think I think that's the stuff that matters. I'm going to do a thing I've not done before on the podcast, guys. Can I uh, end with a, a reading of a poem? This yeah. is by, so this was a Central American priest, Oscar Romero was his mm. name. And something you said, Glenn, just made me think of it. He wrote this poem that I come back to often when I think about the expectations of pastoral ministry and it's called A Future Not Our Own. It'll take me like one minute to read. So I buckle up. He says, it helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives include everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing this. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, 
not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm -hmm.